Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. I'm so excited for you to meet my guest, Stephen Sashenzon, co-founder of Zero Shoes. Stephen, it's so great to have you. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I was like I was sharing with you before we record. Um, I was so excited to meet you and uh, just share your story with our audience. And I can't wait to even unpack that. Um, before we get to your product and the company and your amazing story you've had over the last couple of years, um, share a little bit about you and what you were doing before launching the company. Okay, so when a mommy loves a daddy very much, they, uh, should I do I not need to go back that far? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, you can start there. <laughs> Um, Well, I mean, I've been a serial entrepreneurial guy my whole life. I've never had a job. I've never had a resume. Um, I want to go interview for a job just to see what it's like. And (laughs) I don't think you would like it. (laughs) Oh, no, I think it would be very entertaining because I'll give all the wrong answers. Oh, my God. um, I can only imagine. Like, Why do you want to work here? For the money, obviously. (laughs) Why why else would anybody want to work here? So so prior to this, I was actually kind of retired. My wife and I had done some clever real estate investing back at the turn of the millennium. Uh, that was giving us enough cash that we didn't have to work for a living, which was awesome. And then I was teaching courses. I taught meditation. I um, was teaching, uh, let's call it applied behavioral finance. So basically how to use your stress about money to get unstressed about money and figure out what to do to take the next step. Um, And then um, I don't know if you heard, but around 2008, the real estate market changed. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. And so what we thought was going to be a lifetime of income turned into a little windfall, but we didn't have anything coming in. So um, I I was actually in the process of starting a search engine marketing business because I've been an an internet marketer for, oh my, 30 years. I just realized (laughs) I'm old. And and then, um, you know, someone gave me the idea to take what was at the time just a hobby of making sandals for people like minimalist sandals. And he said, if you had a website and treated this like a business, I could put you in a book that I've got a contract for. So I rush home and I pitched this incredible opportunity to my wife who told me I was a complete idiot and um, you know, wouldn't work, won't make any money, total distraction. And I said, yeah, you're, you're right. I won't do it. And then after she went to bed, I built a website and um, I, and I said to her the next morning, it'll be a case study. Cause I think I can own this whole market in like three months. And I was completely wrong. It only took me six weeks. So, <laughs> so you know, before doing this, we were just kind of, you know, making, making do. I love it. And for those that think like I hit fast forward on the interview, I didn't. And I love the energy. I just, I, I it's so much fun. Like we were doing prep right before this and Steven's like, dude, I don't need prep. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. So much fun. Um, it's great. Well, yeah, I gotta tell you, it's only because no one has stumped me yet. And I don't, so- I'm, and that's, I'm not going to stump you today. That's for sure. Um, okay. So also though, in your background, you were, you're a master's all American sprinter, one of the fastest men over the age of 50 in the U S yeah. a former all American gymnast. You were a professional yeah. stand-up comic. I mean, yeah. a researcher, a Tai Chi yeah. archery. I mean, how does all yeah. this come together for you? 
Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, they hadn't invented Ritalin when I was a kid. So <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> had they done that, my life would be very, very different than it is right now. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I've been really, really lucky in that the things that I find interesting, I've been able to pursue those, and they've allowed me to make a living, and I've done well at them. So, you know, it's it's my, no complaints. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you decide you're going to get into the shoe business. Um, not yeah, a small not so challenge, right? I mean, it was sort of an accident. <laughs> right. Like I was just making. So I was making these, you know, kind of sandals the way human beings have been making sandals for 10,000 years. And then this guy gave me this opportunity to turn it into a business. And at that time, I I had built hundreds of websites. So putting up the site took me nothing. Um, And I I thought to my, I said to my wife, Lena, I said, it'll be a car payment if we're lucky. And (laughs) within a couple of days, it was clear that that wasn't the case. And within six weeks, it was obvious this was our full-time gig. That's so So crazy. And and frankly, we thought going in that our do-it-yourself sandal making kit or a variation thereof was going to be our whole business. Got it. And it, it wasn't until we just started getting requests from people saying, yeah, I'm not going to make my own. Can I get something ready to wear? And so then we figured out a way to do that. And then, Hey, I don't, you know, your sandals are great, but what about when it's cold or when I'm going to work? And so we figured out how to make shoes based on the same fundamental idea of letting your feet do what's natural. So your toes spread instead of getting squeezed together, no heel lift. Cause that messes with your posture flexible. So that, cause all the bones and joints in your feet are supposed to move lightweight, um, uh, and get it, and maybe most importantly, giving you the ground feeling that your brain is looking for. You have more nerve endings in your soles than anywhere but your fingertips oh. and your lips for a reason to tell your brain and your spinal cord at the base, that's for reflexes, um, how to move your body efficiently and effectively to get the feedback about what you're stepping on or in to know how to move properly. And if you're wearing Got thick it. and stiff shoes, thick and or stiff shoes, then you're not getting that. And that can impede natural function, natural motion, which can lead to things like elderly people who have bad balance, who trip on little things, fall down, break their hip and die, which is what my dad did six years ago. Wow. So, I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> Gosh. Um, okay. So how did you figure out production manufacturing of like the pieces and parts? Like you, yeah. you hadn't really worked <laughs> in that space, right? So how did you sort through oh, that? No, we were freakishly lucky. Um, very early on, a friend who was, whose whole family was in the footwear business introduced us to some guys who had been at, they started at Reebok like 30 years earlier. They'd been, and it's a, Footwear is a very incestuous business. They started at Reebok. They were at Nike. They were at Adidas. They were, you know, they go around Got circles. <laughs> and we met them um, and they they said to us, you know, we believe in you and what you're doing. This natural movement thing is the most important thing in footwear and nobody's doing it. And, you know, how can we help? And the first thing they did is they introduced us to um, manufacturing in Asia. Now, at that time, all we were making was rubber, you know, just a sheet of rubber right. that was for the bottom, right? Interesting. Um, but then they fired us. Our Korean factory fired us. <laughs> Why? Because we asked for this crazy thing called quality. <laughs> and um, <Heaven> forbid. <laughs> right? Yeah, like we said, you know, when for the larger size, in theory, there should be more rubber in it. So it should weigh more than the smaller size, but the weights are inconsistent and the thicknesses are inconsistent. We said, you know, could you fix that? And they said, no. And they fired us because. <laughs> The piece that they were making is usually just glued on to other shoes, other but for shoes, us, it right. was the whole product. Got so it. they just didn't care, and they weren't going to change their processes for us. And they basically kicked us out of Korea, because wow. when we called other factories in Korea, they already heard about us. Oh, my gosh. Just coincidentally, the cover of a footwear, in, a footwear industry magazine was about a guy and his company who they'd been doing manufacturing in Asia for about, the, at that time, 20-something years. And I, I don't, I literally don't know how this worked, but I flew to New York to meet with them 
And they decided to work with us when we were tiny, 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 tiny. And the part that is amazing to me still is I found out years later that they really did due diligence on us. They called around and asked people what they thought about us. Interesting. I found out from a guy who published footwear magazines. He said, oh, yeah, they called and I vouched for you. It's like, wow. really? <laughs> At that time, we were, you know, a, a tiny, itty bitty little baby company. But for whatever reason, they took us on and we've grown with them. Now, granted, on the one hand, it's their job to take care of all these manufacturing sourcing things. On the other hand, we really had to oversee all of that to make sure it was done the way we wanted, done correctly. Because again, we're making footwear differently than anyone else on the planet. Got it. So that was a, a real challenge. We eventually had to hire someone on the ground in Asia to oversee to what they were that. doing because they sure. weren't doing as much as we needed. Wow. Now, um, okay, so you got the manufacturing part sorted out through a lot of, I'm sure it wasn't so simple, right? And never, it took time. Never <laughs> Never ending. Because look, wait, I'm going to interrupt, interject with this. This is going to sound um, wrong, but it's actually a completely consistent, valid worldview. Uh, I'll speak about China because that's where we're manufacturing. And for people who say, oh, you should move somewhere else. Like you can't. Let's just leave it at that for now. Doesn't work. Um, I can get into the details, but just humor me. I've been doing this for 12 years. The guys Three. who work with me for 40, <laughs> you can't. Anyway, all right. The, the way Chinese manufacturers think is that if you don't specify every possible tiny little thing, their job, and they literally see this as their job, is to find a way to change things slightly that you wouldn't notice or their customer wouldn't notice so that they can get a couple extra cents out of the deal. That's part of their, and they view that as doing a good job if they're able to do that. And if you catch them, they're like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a completely legitimate worldview that we in America think is crazy, but no, no, it makes sense. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And for those that haven't manufactured in China or overseas, I mean, these are some of the lessons learned. Um, yeah. Who was your initial customer? Like, did, you knew you had something, but did you know people would buy it? You know what I mean? Like, what did that look like at first? Yeah. Well, um, again, it was not well th that well thought out um, because right. I, by, the time, by the time I built the website, I had made maybe, I don't know, 50, 100 pairs of sandals for people just around town. Got it. Um, we literally, we'd go out, we'd go for a run, we'd sit down on, the, on a sidewalk in front of the University of Colorado or on the Boulder, the Pearl Street Mall in Boulder. And I'd be cutting out from big sheets of rubber, cutting, cutting out foot-shaped things and cutting out laces and putting them on people's feet. Um, but I also was paying attention online. There was conversations going on about this whole idea of barefoot running and natural movement. So I knew there was a conversation happening and I just got in the conversation. Got it. So when we launched the website, it was literally like I wasn't trying to sell anything. I just was trying to offer value. I made videos showing how to just replicate my entire business. Here's how you make a sandal. Here's where you get materials. We just had better materials at a better price all put together. Um, but I was really just trying to, to, to further the conversation and people would find us within, I mean, I launched the website. I, I posted something like, Hey, I made some videos about how to make sandals on a forum, or there wasn't even a Facebook group at the time. It was like Google forums or Google groups. I posted on a group, Hey, here's the stuff. You can go buy it. And we had our first sale within minutes. Wow. And again, we thought it would be a car payment, but like the first sale we made was in like the end of November to somebody in Minnesota. <laughs> Someone you I, didn't know. <laughs> That's well, crazy. But, but more, more, well, which is important. I'll come back to that. But it was you know, where it was already five below zero and they're buying a do-it-yourself oh, sandal making kit. Yeah. So we thought if we can sell sandals in the winter to people in Minnesota, we're probably on to something. And uh, so, and it turned out we were. So it was really, someone gave me a great lesson years ago. He said, if you want to make money, just find out where the money is flowing and get in the way. And that's basically that. that's a great I did. I looked at the conversations it. and I got in them. 
Interesting. Now, I, I noticed in your product line, you don't, you no longer just have sandals, right? You have uh, other products as well, Terraflex, Prio, HFS Men, Hana. Talk about how you thought about progression of, of product over time. Yeah. Well, one thing that happened is, um, again, through tremendous luck and things that were out of my control, I ended up meeting a guy named Dennis Driscoll, who's been a footwear developer and designer for now 45 years. And he had just retired from Crocs when I met him and he got our sandals. Great brand. Said, Great brand. A lot. Oh yep. yeah. He's, you know, and he'd worked for many companies. He worked for Doc Martin. He co-founded Avia. Um, and he, he, I made him a pair of sandals. He goes, these things changed my life. You know, I'd love to help somehow. I said, well, if you can introduce me to someone like you, but 30 years younger, who's trying to get his feet wet. <laughs> and he said, what, what about me? I said, dude, you were getting paid like 300 grand a year at your last right. job. Uh, that's more than we've made. And, you know, since we started this, he goes, yeah, but I'm retired. I said, you're hired. hired. So so having Dennis was important. uh, But the biggest thing that drove the expansion from just a do-it-yourself sandal kit to a complete line of casual and performance boots, shoes, and sandals was our customers telling us what they wanted. Like I said, love "Love your sandals, what I do in the winter. Love your sandals, what I do for work. Love these shoes, what I do for the following thing. And so it's just evolved. How did you get that feedback? Like, How did you get that input? Oh, um, we're very, very actively involved and uh, participating in conversations on social media and email. We're very, we, we, we are um, very deliberately making ourselves accessible. I'll tell you something I do. I have an email that goes out to everyone who opts into our list. I don't remember what day it goes out and it looks like it's a, and this is a secret and people <laughs> now will know the secret. It looks like it's just coming from me. Okay. Right. And it says, you know, there's a personal letter from me. Just right. want to let you know we're real human beings who are doing this. We're not some big corporate, whatever. Um, if you have any questions or problems, reach out and look, if you want to talk, here's my personal phone number. And I give out my personal phone number. Three times a week, I get phone calls that start like this. Hello, this is Steven. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, so but it. you know, we want to, we want to make sure people see us as people, not as some faceless corporate, whatever. And very, very and cool. So we got a lot of that feedback, but also because of both, both Dennis and his experience and my sort of natural liking to figure out how things work. We can always see where there was a little hole in the line, something we wanted to do or something idea that we came up with. And, um, and so we, we put in our own ideas sometimes too. Most of them work, not all of them work. Sometimes the ideas customers give us don't work as well as we thought, sure. but it's, you know, you, you don't bat a thousand. No, that's fair. Um, you and Lena are co-founders. How have you guys divided up the work? Are there certain things you're really good at? Are there things that she's really good at? How, do, how did you guys sort through that early and then, and now as the company has progressed? Well, we never even really discussed it. Uh, we, <laughs> okay. You know, when from the time we got together until starting Zero Shoes, we were never working really. When when she moved in with me, she said, um, "I don't think I should get a job. I think you should just let me manage all these different things that you do." And I remember when I started breathing again two weeks later, um, <laughs> uh, in part because she wanted money for doing that. And oh my god! Then I realized that um, it was a brilliant idea, and she didn't ask for enough money. So she was managing stuff. I, I, don't, I haven't seen a checkbook since she moved in 20 something years ago. Nice. And, and so when we started this, you know, it was just this goofy little internet project. And she very quickly realized it was going to need what she brings to the table. She's an operations finance person. I'm a product and marketing person. Perfect. And there you we, go. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. And so we never had to talk about that split. Basically, my job was to think of cool things to do. And her job was to tell me we didn't have the money for doing that. 
So, um, and, and my then job was to, you know, stop pouting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, very, very cool. 38,000 or more than 40, 38,000 five-star reviews, oh, um, 5,000 yeah. 5, miles, 5, miles. Yeah. So I'm amazed at the, on your website, the positive reviews. I also like, there's this really cool feature on there that when someone buys, like it says, John Smith just bought this two minutes ago. You it's, know what I mean? I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are a number of companies that are doing that. Yeah. It's, I've seen it elsewhere. It's a very too, effective but, form of social proof to yeah, have a little pop-up. Exactly. There you go. I love it. You, you're, you're an expert in this space. Um, interestingly, as you've grown, uh, you decided to go on Shark Tank. And um, I had a chance to to watch the video on your site um, leading up to today. Talk about that experience. And what? how did you guys even decide to do it? Or did they reach out to you? What did that look like? <laughs> well, um, it's not that... I mean, people kept saying to us early on, you guys should be on Shark Tank. It's like, what Shark Tank? So then we started watching it. And then we started watching the previous version. So like Dragon's Den from Canada, Dragon's Den from the UK. We didn't watch the original from Japan, but we, like everyone, you watch the show and you imagine being on it and then you apply. So usually around March, April of every year is when they take applications by email. They also do live events. So I sent in an email. I was about to get on a plane to go to one of the live events and they called and said, you know, can we chat? And (laughs) after an hour, they said, we'd like you to um, do an application. We need a five minute video answering these 5,000 questions and right. we, need it by, we need it by monday this is on a thursday and i said oh not not a problem um unbeknownst to me my wife was planning a surprise 50th birthday party for me that oh, weekend no. so she's freaking out because she's got all these things to do and i'm thinking no no problem oh party gosh. went off without a hitch um i was totally surprised the next day we made this video we sent it in they called us back we had to fill out a big application um there's a big contract that's totally onerous and one-sided but you know if you want to be on the show <laughs> Right. I'll tell you something funny about it. They've they've built the contract by just adding new clauses for every new show that the production company makes. So one of the clauses is that we're indemnifying them. We're not going to hold them harm harmful um, if we die on set. Oh, and it's like, wait, what's <laughs> you happen to walk through the doors and die? Right. Well, well, it turned out that was a that was something they wrote in for Survivor. Oh, so, nice. That's right. Um, so it wasn't us deciding as much as we applied and we lucked out and they wanted us on the show. That's and this so was funny. very early on. This this aired in 2013. Right. I saw um, that. You know, we're a three year old company at that point. Yeah. And just still selling just a do it yourself sandal kit, funky little product. Uh, and the experience was great. The biggest thing, frankly, was that it preparing for the show made us focus and get really clear about what we wanted to do, totally, who we were totally. and what we wanted to do. And then it didn't hurt to make about three months worth of sales in a week. Probably. <laughs> in like no time. Did you yeah. see the, like the volume on your website? Could you, I mean, I can only imagine Two, after that aired. 270,000 concurrent visitors. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, and, and it's the like other thing, great was, PR. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, a, and great PR in a lot of ways. Um, one is that people, when people like when in potential investors watch the the segment, they're seemingly impressed with how we handle the situation. We actually handled it even better than what you see. Because I was going to ask, well, and we've had other folks on that have been on the show and they've said the same thing. But what you see in the live production is not all the conversation that goes on. Oh, Isn't that no, correct? No, no. Okay. Yeah. No, if they, if, you know, every objection the Sharks had, we hit out of the park so far that first of all, if they had included our answers, they would have to have changed the name of the show to Stephen and Lena Tank instead of Shark Tank. Um, but then, at the, but you don't see this. At one point, Robert, he asked me a question and I answer it and he jumps out of his chair and yells at me, you have a perfect answer for every question. And I that didn't make that didn't make the uh, the final cut. (laughs) No, no, and I looked at him just incredulously. It's like that's our business to know these things, right? 
Yeah, I'm sure. A really great experience. I'll let everyone That's go awesome. and check it out on your website. By the way, uh, Zero Shoes is X-E-R-O shoes.com. Uh, you guys can not only buy a product there, but also check out that really cool story. Um, looking ahead. So now you guys have been doing this for a little bit. You've been growing, um, evolving into new markets. You've gone global. Yeah. You've gotten into new products. Um, what's ahead? So like the next, what does the next six, six to 12 months look like for you guys? Uh, more of the same, really. We, you know, the we just expanded into Europe and Asia. We're expanding into South America. We're we started out totally direct to consumer, and very early on, thank have you people, for bringing that up. By the way, I was going to yeah. go there. That's perfect. Well, and very early on, we'd have people calling saying, you know, can we get you in our store? And now we're the wholesale side of the business is growing very rapidly as well. You can find some of our products in most the REI stores. Um, we're going to be uh, Nordstrom.com um, still. So there's third party online and more direct. Uh, the biggest thing, frankly, is just finding ways of advertising that al- allow more people to get hip to the story. What I mean is most products are new, improved versions of something we already believe and understand. You know, we want to clean our clothes. We have a new, right. improved way of doing that. <laughs> we want to clean our clothes while saving the environment. Here's a way of doing that. Well, what we're doing is something crazy. We're trying to pull the rug out from underneath 50 years of propaganda. Right. You're in a, and you're in a shoe category, but what you're doing, it's like a, it's its own subcategory. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've created its well, own well, specific. Kind, here's the joke. Kind of what we're doing is the way footwear was made for the first 9,000 okay, years. <laughs> yeah. The modern athletic shoe is a 50 year old invention right. for which there is zero evidence that it's in any way helpful, does not improve performance, does not reduce injury at all. And yet, because people, shoe companies have been telling us this story, like the boy who cried wolf, you know, here's our new cushioning. It's going to be amazing. Sorry about that crap we've been selling up until now, which they never say. Totally. Um, right. <laughs> but, but people believe now, I need cushioning. I need motion control. I need art support. I need these things that are proven to be bad for you. And you can't just tell people they're wrong. <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, you can't tell people, you can tell people, you know, look, there's corporate marketing people who are telling you a story that may not be good for you. Think cigarettes. Um, <laughs> right. And, but what we have to do is just introduce people to the idea, just to get them curious enough to contemplate the idea that letting your body do what it's made to do, bend, flex, move, feel, totally. be strong is the obvious better choice just the way we think of natural food. And once we, once people start to experience it, then it's a whole different game. So um, finding ways to just get the message out there. Look, the number one thing that sells our product is people trying our product. It's that we are unlike most shoe companies. You don't hear people at big shoe who buy shoes from big shoe companies who are not collectors saying things like I own 10 pairs of these. My family will wear nothing else when we own a hundred pairs. Once you experience the comfort and the benefits of natural movement, you just can't go back. Wow. Very, very cool. Yeah. That's, and that's part of what you're doing, getting the message out, right? I mean, that's, that's key to, to grow. Just trying to change the world. I love that. (laughs) One pair of shoes at a time. One foot at a time. How about, and you talked about a bit about marketing and branding. Have you guys had to use any of the traditional or non-traditional channels to really build awareness and, and growth or has it been more word of mouth? What are you thinking of as non-traditional? Ah, well, I mean, I would say things like TikTok and Instagram have, have been you know just booming the last yeah. year, two, three, before that Facebook, before, you know what I mean? Like some of the, yeah, before yeah. the email marketing, I don't know. What does that look like? Well, you know, we, we, we pretty much spend a hundred percent of our marketing dollars on MySpace. I don't know why it's not working. <laughs> Um, Dude, that, you know, I, I don't know I either. Trying. It's interesting. I'm going to crack the code on that. I promise you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going back to AOL if I can. The, 
everything's going to be everything's it's totally still around be, by the way if you go to the website it's yeah, still you there. can only it's find us if you're using Alta Vista. So, <laughs> oh my god i've heard that in a long time i know that was or netscape navigator how about that i mean <laughs> yeah remember? i know I mean, come on um, anyway so the the answer is yes and no. Uh, so yes, we we are on Instagram, for example. TikTok, we haven't cracked the code on yet. And I was at an event with um, a, uh, some industry analysts who are in touch with about a thousand brands. And their analysis about TikTok is that no one currently knows how it works. And I mean, the people <laughs> right. who have been successful, um, it's not as reproducible as people would like it to be. Sure. And I mean, my joke, I call TikTok the platform for strippers who haven't found a pole. <laughs> and because there's just a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, hot chicks on there. Dude, do, you, um, do you still do your comedian stuff? I mean, like, you... <laughs> no, 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 no more stand up comedy. To, I mean, you could, uh, I don't go good. to comedy clubs because I'm allergic to the stench of desperation, but, um, <laughs> But um, so, but, but there's things that I think we can do on TikTok that sure. may work. Instagram, so it seems like your product would be great for Instagram advertising. I don't know. I'm not the expert. It, you are. Well, you know, TikTok, um, if you look at TikTok, there's very few times where you're seeing someone's feet. So it, it's, Got it's, a, it. it's, a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Similarly, Pinterest, we played on yeah. Pinterest and haven't made that work, but we're going to try some new things. So my simple thing about any sort of marketing, I asked this question and I literally asked this to people and I'll tell you exactly how I say it. When people are trying to get money from me to do some marketing initiative, I say, I want to know how quickly and cheaply I can find out if you have your head up your butt. <laughs> and they go, what? I go, well, you know, no one bats a thousand. So I need to know right. if it's going to work or not. And I don't want to lose a lot of money in the process. And right. if I lose money, what are you going to do about it? And they go, right. they don't like that part. Yeah. Well, you know, we can't offer you a money back guarantee. I go, yeah, you could, if you really understood your business metrics, you, if you know how much you made with a good customer and how much you lost with a bad and then identified one from the other, right. you, know, you could offer a money back guarantee. And I know people who do, where they've said they've approached us and said, here's the thing, try it for free. Then here's what we charge. And you'll have to see if there's a positive ORI, a positive ROI from that test. And if so, we move forward. And if not, we stop. And it didn't cost you anything. I go, you're in. Got it. Oh, that's really, really yeah. I, I can see that. Especially if you think about PR, kind of similar, right? I mean, um, oh, in dude, terms of thinking we, about like we had, we had paying so many PR. PR. We had a lot of PR people who kept trying to tell us it's a long game. It's going to take a while. You don't know what's going to happen. And they never delivered anything. And we're working with an agency now, and I'm happy to give referrals so people reach out to me, who within the first week of working together had me on national television. Wow. Go uh, ahead. Give guys, them a shout out to share with their audience. Uh, I'm going to say reach out to me. Well, no, <laughs> contact them directly, but mention my name. So um, it's called Super Connector Media. And they're wonderful and drop my name because I want them to help fund my new Lotus Amira. <laughs> I love it. That's great. All right. That's a good <laughs> shout out. All right. So um, we'll definitely make sure that they're tagged also in the podcast episode. This is awesome. great. Be thrilled. Um, you know, I, I, every time I have a guest on, I love to ask, you know, would it be one or two big lessons learned uh, that you'd share with our audience? We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast. Um, I know you've shared a, a lot as you've gone through the story today, but if there's one or two things that just stick out that it, coaching to others, thinking about launching a new brand, product, package, idea, what would be one or two things you'd share? Well, the first thing I say is get a government job with a pension instead. Um, <laughs> but uh, Got it. Uh, I, but because this is a tough road to hoe. And the, the other thing is, if you're just getting started, find a way to prove that you have a real business and, and demonstrate the size of it. And what I mean is by proving it is uh, find strangers who will take money out of their wallets and give it to you. 
And like the way they used to do it in direct marketing is they'd take out a full page ad in some magazine with a coupon you had to clip and send in with a check. And they would see, did the ad work or not? And if it did, they'd make the product. And if it didn't, they'd send the checks back. And you can do that same kind of thing now with AdWords or on Facebook advertising as well. So, but you want to prove that there's a real, that there, there are people who want to give you money. And the second part is seeing how many of them there are. People send me products all the time to test that they think are going to change the world. And pardon me. And they have huge amounts of money behind them crazy amount of talent behind them. And I look at it and go, there's 18 people on the planet who care about this. Right. <laughs> and the sure. fact that, you know, you know, 17 of them is not good. Right. So, um, we often as entrepreneurs, and I'm as prone to this as anyone else, we love our babies and right. we often think they're much prettier than they are. That's very fair. And I think that's common across uh, entrepreneurs, right? It's hard to, yeah. to to take a different perspective on your own product. And yeah. uh, it's been so great having you on, Stephen. And I can't wait to have you back on down the road as you continue to grow and evolve the brand. Share with our audience where they can connect with you, uh, and buy your product, <laughs> et cetera. Get your phone number, <laughs> subscribe yeah, to the email. Right. <laughs> you you got to opt in to get that. Right. Uh, so as you mentioned, zero shoes, X-E-R-O shoes.com. Or if you type in zero or because your computer changes it, that'll still get to us. There's a whole story behind that. Um, or, you know, at zero shoes or slash zero shoes, wherever you happen to at or slash. Love it. So great having you on. Thanks for so much for spending the time with us today. Please come back on in the next year or so, so that you can share more with us. And um, man, I'm looking forward to the year with you guys. Thanks so much. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.